We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, so we are coming at you. We usually record these things on the later side on Sunday. Coming at you uh, early on a Sunday. I think this episode is actually going to be up before the Super Bowl. So happy Super Bowl Sunday if you're listening to this on Sunday. Um, if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, I hope it was a good game. Uh, I'm going to just go right to my, my co-host, Jeremy Cohen. How you feeling today? Putting on a happy face, I guess. Are you really? I'm trying. You know, this is fun. But what was the word that you used last week vociferously? It was egregious. Um, it was egregious. Oh, egregious. I would describe this week for the New York Knicks as egregious. And you know why it's so frustrating? Because I have kept the same energy or at least try to yeah. this whole year of I'm ambivalent about what's going on. It yep. doesn't really matter. I'm happy with the Knicks doing well and I can totally be fine with the Knicks doing poorly. Yep. This stings a lot. Yep. And it's almost like I take solace in these types of losses because it's like, you know what? You get what you deserve. And I don't think that this team deserves it per se. I certainly, the fans don't deserve this. And then you watch fourth quarter implosions and you're like, you know what? They deserve this. This, this feels like something that, that they should you know, wear. And it's infuriating to me because again, like I can, I can live with the losses. I don't, I don't root for them. I'm not rooting for them, Yeah. but I also see them pile up and I'm like, you know, it's really not that bad and it's fine. I was fine with the Lakers outcome because it was, it was frustrating, but it was whatever. And then the jazz implosion happens. And I was pretty pissed off about that, especially when you consider the fact that Gobert wasn't playing and the Knicks were up by double digits. But they are very good. That is a very good team. It is. It is. Yeah. But they just, that was a winnable game and they squandered it. And then you have the Nuggets game and they get blown to shreds. I mean, gave up what, 83 points in the first half? I, I, thought, I thought it was the worst. Second half, back to back, arguably the two toughest places to play in the league. We talked about the context yeah. of it the game the day after, but that was the certainly the I I thought it was the worst performance of the year. Again, yeah. context yes, but worst performance of the year. And then you have RJ getting hurt, yeah. and then insult uh, yeah, insult injury actually in, in, injury <laughs> injury to insult yeah. injury to, yeah I don't know which one of those. Yeah. And then you have the Warriors game, and they win, but they almost blew it again, but they won, which is great. 
And then you have the Blazers game, which we keep saying this is the worst loss. This is the worst game. Blah blah. blah. How many have there been now, Jeremy? They've lost count. Of course, there are too many to count. And this has been the worst week of Knicks basketball. And I could say like it could be the worst week of basketball so far. And maybe that could be the case. But when you consider the fact that they squandered on this, I mean, I'm going a little bit into last week too, but five game road trip, they go one and four, squander three of them, blown out in one of them. Um, win one, which was actually impressive win. You see Randall playing well. You see RJ getting hurt for a ridiculous reason. Yep. You see the Knicks losing to great teams and you see the Knicks losing to a team that is just traded away pretty much its entire roster. And yep. you're like, can't help but just think like, this is deserving. This is, this is what you get for playing down to this team or for not competing with these other teams. And yet I walk away feeling like, <laughs> the crazy part is this team's not that far away from just being competent. We saw it last year. They are really not that far, but damn it. Do they need a point guard? And it's really hard to see it keep going without them doing it. And so you just hope for them to simulate until April 10th. And then we can just talk about ways the team can improve. But until then it feels like we're stuck and I hate it. Um, I'm happy this is the attitude you came on with because I was worried that you were going to be the one to have composure. You're, you're, I mean, you're keeping your composure, but you're basically like, fuck this shit in your own way. And I am very much in fuck this shit, Phil. And apologies to uh, those of you out there who uh, don't like to hear me use foul language. There's no other, there are no words in the English language or any other language that can, I can use to properly express how this loss has left me. It's, it's funny. Um, this, this year, uh, as we've kind of formalized the, the process here at KFS, where it's like, uh, sit down, do an hour of uh, hearing fans just say whatever's on their mind, kind of go through all that. And then I sit down and most of the time, almost all of the time, I just write my newsletter then because I have it out for the next morning. And by the time I'm done writing that newsletter uh, and, and I feel I'm like, I could go to bed with a clear mind. Like the losses, even the bad losses have not stuck with me. Um, <laughs> thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Should I read that? Out? No, I don't. <laughs> um, uh, you can't react to something I said in the chat. All right, fine. So Andrew, Andrew just said, fuck this shit might be the episode title. Yeah. I never, there I never know what to do. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a Saturday night game. I didn't have to put out a newsletter today because it's Sunday. And I don't, I'm sure that has something to do with it. But last night, I was, I went to bed and I was just, and I watched, oh, that's the other thing. I watched a whole movie, Kimmy on HBO Max. Good movie. Isn't that good? Very good movie. Really enjoyable. I kind of, that, I kind of got my mind off of it for, for the two hours of that film. And then movie shut off. I'm like, it's bedtime. All right. Seating. Didn't sleep very well. Woke up this morning and I just like, I'm still, I'm like just beyond pissed off and I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off. And just to go, here's why I don't think the Knicks in all their diabolical ineptitude could have constructed a week that was more of a kick in the nuts. And yes, I say that, Knowing full well that they had, I would argue, their best win of the season. I mean, it's either that or or Dallas, right? uh, Or maybe you want to throw one or two others in there. I would argue it was their best win of the season. No Draymond, no RJ, right? Um, It was because of that, that even after everything they've done, they won that game and you, you could look at it and be like, what if? What if it just took them 55 games to figure it out and now... They're starting to get it. And, and it's like, and they, and that they did that after the Utah game and after the Denver game and after the Lakers game, you know, and then they give us, and, and but again, it's not just that they lost to Portland. It's that they, it's that they were up by 23 points and then lost to Portland. And, um, the only thing I could compare it to, and uh, I, I apologize in advance uh, to Andrew and all of our listeners who um, have no interest in hearing me reference the show that I grew up watching. Um, 
it reminded me of Sex in the City. And um, I'm sorry, I just have to do this. The only thing I was trying to think of a comp. Uh, so you guys are familiar with Office Space, right? Yes. Okay. So Ron Ron Livingston, the star of Office Space, played. Uh, he was uh, Carrie's second to last love interest on the show before before the Russian, as her friends affectionately called him. And I won't get into the details, but um, it was a rocky relationship. It was a very rocky relationship. Like it started off with some happiness and some like, you know, uh, uh, some some excitement, mostly rocky. And then it reached a point where it was like at its at its low point. And then they had they shared something that was like a, a happy moment. It was um, it, she, she was a, on jury duty and somebody would open their briefcase every day that she was sitting next to. And it was like a different exotic fruit every day. And she would share this little fact with the with the Ron Livingston character and they would laugh about it. And you're and, and the episode it left off like, wow, maybe these maybe they can make it work. Maybe they can make it work. And then he broke up with her on a post-it and she was like, what the fuck? And that, and to me, the Blazers loss was like the Knicks breaking up with me on the post-it. It was a final insult of an insulting relationship. And I am just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. Not of the Knicks, but like on this season as like giving my emotional investment into believing that this Knicks season could be something. I'm out. Doesn't it feel freeing to an extent? Because that <sighs> that is how I have been trying to live this season. What stage and, of grief is that? Or uh, oh, it's been the, I've been I've been under acceptance for a while, okay. but now I feel like I'm going backwards into the process. Right? I feel like I'm going now towards the anger stage, and it's frustrating because it's like I like I was done with this. I was I've accepted it. It's fine, and then it rears its ugly head again, and I'm like, I was out, and they pull me back they in. They pull me back in. And because here's the here's the craziest part, and I really hate that I even went here. After the Knicks won that game against the Warriors, my mindset goes to, you know, Charlotte's falling. The I, Nets are a mess. I did the same thing. Like, you can convince yourself that they can do this. They can get there. And and then they drop this, this turd of a performance in the fourth quarter. And you're like, no, they can't get there. But then here's what happens. They then have... OKC coming up and the Nets and then they have yeah. a break and it yeah. would have been so easy as, as Wally was saying company man Wally being like well they could pull off a four game win streak let's do it if they had done that I would have been like you know what so be it and I think what's, yeah. what's the most frustrating part for me is I don't care if the Knicks end up in the play in or if they end up in the lottery it's the fact that they are not going in one direction and kind of sticking to it and I understand like you're not just going to win and you're not just going to lose but it's the way in which they are going about it where it's like, see, we're going to give you hope. Oh, no, we're not going to give you hope. We're just going to be really bad. We're going to keep being terrible. And that's fine. But oh, no, here, here's some surprising wins. And this will be fun. Like, I enjoyed the Warriors win. I thought that was much needed, especially after the last 48 hours. I mean, really, Completely 72 agree. hours, you could say. Yeah. I was really glad to see a win. Yep. And then you get this Warrior, this, this Blazers game. And it's like, why did I even root for the Warriors win? That just, it feels yeah, no, it made, like it it's made gone. You, it it made evaporated. You, it, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And a couple of things I just want to throw in here, which is that like one, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I did, I'm actually, I'm enjoying the hell out of this conversation. This is, I actually did need this, but like going out waking up this morning, I'm like, I don't want to talk about this team. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to think about this team. Like this team has, has, has broken me in a sense. Um, and I think it's broken the fan base and that's why like, and I should, I have to apologize to like, when I get into the post kind of post game mode and I like kind of view every comment as like, okay, I'm going to assess it on its face. Like how could, how could any of us or anyone blame any fan for being frustrated? And like, you know, there's all kinds of, that's the other part. I'm like sick of, I really am sick of having all these, all these conversations. It's like, what's the, What's the point? Like this team is not a good basketball team. They are not in a great place. The young players outside of a couple are like not that good um, or not playing well right now. There's no escaping that. The veterans are like just good enough, just good enough to like, okay, they're the better option. So then it's like, oh, do we play this? Do we play that? Like, what's the priority? And it's like, it's all the same gobbledygook. You know, and it's like back and forth. And it leads to exactly what you're saying. Just pick a direction. And that's why to anyone 
who, who again, back to the postgame comment about like, who's like, I'm sick of these vets. Just play the kids. Like I can sit there and like, in my mind, be like, well, no, there's, there's reasons not to do that. And like, you know, culture and accountability. And, and at the same time, like who wants to watch these guys anymore? Who wants to watch Evan Fournier anymore? Like I love Alec Burks, but at the same time, like, is this, is this changing our lives? Like, you know, I mean, to say nothing of like Kemba Walker, who had himself parts of a really nice game last night on one end of the floor. Um, yeah. Well, let me ask you as a self-proclaimed yeah. broken man, we had a, <laughs> oh, very, a very big conversation last week. We did. How do you feel right now about Tom Thibodeau? I mean, that's the part where I guess I'm, I, that's the part where I haven't been broken yet because like, again, you said you, you rewatched the second half last night. Um, I rewatched, um, I was able to watch rewatch up until the last four minutes where they, it was just, they were a broken team by that, by those last four minutes. And I'm like watching it and I'm like, okay, so I'm watching offensive possessions and it's like, okay, miss three, miss three. Fournier gets a switch on Nurk, can't do anything. Walker gets a switch on Nurk, can't do anything. Randall throws the ball out of bounds. Uh, Walker misses an open grime is behind him. Um, you know, Burks can't hit a layup. Mitch goes out of the game so they can't get any offensive rebounds. And this is just on the offensive side of the floor. And I'm like thinking to myself, okay, so what, if you're Tom Thibodeau, what are you supposed to do about any of that? You try to juice the offense by going small. You take uh, Jericho Sims out of the game. Next two, I'm talking about the fourth quarter. Next two possessions, you get uh, an open layup because there's no rim protection, and you can't get. And uh, Nurkic gets an offensive rebound, kicks out. That's not going to work. Okay, let's bring bring Taj back in. Uh, and then on the defensive end of the court, Kemba Walker, arguably best offensive player last night, cooked, cooked, cooked. Okay, switch Grimes. Guess what? Simon's takes Grimes off the dribble, makes a tough shot. It's like every everything that was happening, like it's just. Guys need to be better. And I don't know what, I don't know what other answers are. Like Emmanuel quickly, I don't know, I'm not going to go on two for too long, but like Emmanuel quickly comes in. He's, he's terrible. He's bad. Not, not only on offense either. There was, a, there was a three that was made. Guess who was guarding? Emmanuel quickly, given too much room on the perimeter. Cam, Cam Riddish took one of the most awful shots I've seen an NBA player took a step back off the dribble, three pointer with 14 left on the clock. And then on the very next possession, gets cooked cooked because he's has absolutely no footwork positioning anything on the perimeter his guy drives right past him for a layup like these are players playing badly and there are there's no there's Tom Thibodeau has a gifted man I would argue one thing he doesn't have is a machine in the locker room that produces better players so again for anybody being like oh no it's this it's as to rotate what you know I don't know what he's supposed to do maybe you have a better answer I don't well I hear you and that's why I think for this game, I'm not going to be as hard on Tibbs as I felt compelled last week. You know, like I, I thought this was by far his worst week, but I didn't feel like this was necessarily his worst game um, that we've seen in, in a bit, honestly. But I do, it kind of goes back to the point I was making last week about, you know, dying in the desert. And that's how it felt in the fourth quarter, where it's like you bring the subs in and for the first two and a half minutes or so, they're terrible. And I hear you like a hundred percent. Right. And to me, it goes back to why have Obi and IQ wilted so much. My concern there is, yeah. Can we say something about the fact that it feels like maybe if they get jerked around by Tibbs in terms of the minutes, are they so scared? Are they not playing someone? I I forget who it was. It might've, might've been Benji. I apologize if it wasn't him. Someone said uh, about how these guys aren't playing with joy. And it was Tom. It was Tom. Tom, Right. So, Tom saying that I thought it was a great point because the fact that the Knicks are not playing with joy and they keep losing. Can I ask like you something? These guys, uh, yeah, sure. Um, last year, we lauded the Knicks for picking Emmanuel quickly in part because we were like, they took a kid who is a worker. He works. He works. He forced his way into the lineup and you've created in a, a culture of accountability and then you've drafted a player who fits into that culture of accountability and earned his way on the floor. And that's why there was a there was this whole there was this. That's the sum being greater or um, than than the parts. Right. Twenty fifth pick in the draft earns his way onto a playoff team. 
this season, now all of a sudden accountability is 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 not a good idea when they're, try, when they're trying when they're trying to help him, when they're well hold on because they're trying to they're trying to have him take the next step as a player he's an undersized guard what do undersized guards need to be able to do ideally you got to run a little point so he's run some point it's taken him out of his his headspace and now he's struggling but like how is that on the coach or the organization I'm not saying it isn't. Obviously, at the end of the day, IQ has to hit his shots. He has to make the right decisions. It's more the process. For some guys, it seems to work. Like for Grimes, he takes pride in how he's able to kind of elevate himself, playing hard in practice and playing himself in the rotation. And it seemed like IQ is right. But it seemed like IQ is not different in that sense, where he is this hard worker. I just start to wonder at a certain point, you know, I think that not playing with Rose is really affecting IQ because there's a lot of pressure that's putting on him. Absolutely. And he's still developing. 100%. And then, of course, Obi, the same thing happens where Obi, need, he, he needs someone to connect with him. And if IQ is struggling, then Obi is not going to be helped in that case either. Agreed. So, you know, but the thing is, if you're the Knicks, if you're that dependent on what a 32, 33 year old Derrick Rose to save your bench unit, then and, and maybe even your team, because if Derrick Rose is in this game, if RJ's in this game, whatever, you could say the Knicks win. Doesn't matter because they lost. But that sort of mindset where it's like, you, I still think that IQ needs some handholding. But at the same time, it's tough for me because it feels like there are other players who are veterans who do not deserve to necessarily be playing significant, you know, get, get this long leash. And then IQ gets in there and he's also struggling. And it's like, well, he's a young player and, and he's just got to learn from that. But then for the older guys, it's like, well, they don't need to learn from it because they're, we're used to it by now. They know what they should be doing there or they don't. And I think that's what I think bothers me the most is that if we can agree that the season is essentially gone. Why is it that we continue to trot out well, players who do not have a role here? But just to quickly go back to the whole desert thing again, like uh, the Knicks were up 98 to 86 and the Blazers went on a 13, nothing run to take the lead. Yes. And then Tibbs calls timeout. And that I think is what really irked me because it goes back. It goes back to the point of like, he, he didn't make this. He takes timeouts at the beginning of the third quarter. Like, okay, let's stop this. Let's slow it down. And then if it happens again, it's like, guys, here's the message. But then he doesn't make changes there. And then he takes out the bench. And I, I hear you. The bench was not yeah. performing well. 100%. They were bad. But then the starters made the bleeding worse. It was more profuse. And they weren't running plays. They didn't find Quentin Grimes once. That's a lie. They found him one time. And he made a three. And it was waved off because Fournier got Had an offensive charged foul. with an offensive foul. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, it's ISO. It's Randall posting up, getting the ball late. Like Alec Burks at one possession got Randall the ball with, it was like 12 seconds left. And then it happened again where Randall then had to quickly drive to the, the hoop. Unfortunately, he made a layup. The best play the Knicks had in the fourth quarter was Randall getting the ball late, drawing a double team, kicking it out to Alec Burks who hit a three above the break. Yeah. That to me was like one of the few plays or finding Fournier in the corner when he was open. But that's there. It just didn't happen. Have it. But, but like, to me, there was there was little to no pick and roll action. There was no dribble penetration. The it was death by a thousand paper cuts for the Knicks because the Blazers continuously drove to the hoop and they didn't have someone to help with rim protection because Taj is also out in the perimeter and then they get crushed on the board. So there are all these second and third opportunities. And it's like how I understand that there are injuries. And this yeah, is why I was I'm about not to say saying, Mitch Mitch yeah, not being in there was was kind of important. Right. I, I hear you. That's why I'm I'm trying not to crush Tibbs here. But I do think that there was enough evidence in the fourth quarter of like, what the hell are we running? What is this offense? You're, it's just guys. It's guys interacting one on one, pulling up from other spots. You're running the same stuff that got you a 23 point lead. But you're, you're running not the because same. you're not playing with pace and the energy that's necessary. Yeah, but like, to me, so it felt the, like okay. it felt like the Rangers. And Andrew knows what I'm talking about. And Rangers fans know what I'm talking about here too. Where what the Rangers would do back in the day, especially when they made it to the Stanley Cup, was they would play prevention. They, would, they wouldn't play to win. They would play to not lose. And that yeah. is how it felt in a lot of ways with this Knicks team of like, is this like, is this Portland team really going to come back with no uh, Damian Lillard or, or CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, uh, any of the guys, it's like Nurk and it's Anthony Simon. And they don't have an answer for him. And then the Knicks can't score and they don't play with pace and they don't play with joy yeah. and things get, get, you know, screwed up. I completely agree that they didn't do any of those things. every man for himself. And that's, 
that to me, it's like, why aren't there more concrete plays being run into this system? Why doesn't it feel like there's more of a flow? Why isn't there more dribble penetration, pick and roll offense? Anything. Because, because well, be, they, there wasn't any more uh, dribble penetration because Portland was switching everything. And I understand, but you also take out Kemba Walker, which then leaves it. And this is the thing, like, right? I, I get and, why you take out Kemba, but at the exactly. same time, but at the same time, <laughs> who who is helping to break up the offense? One of the better plays was Burks actually driving and kicking out to Fournier. The problem is Fournier missed it. I was, I was like everything you're you're answering your own questions, which it's like they're doing all these things, and then Fournier goes one for ten from deep. Um, Randall had Anthony Simons switched on him, didn't do a blessed thing, settled for a turnaround. Like, uh, again, I mentioned before, Walker has Yusuf Nurkic switched out to him on the perimeter. Can't do anything. I understand. Like you, you at, at some point you need your basketball players to, to do the things that got them paid their contracts. And the Knicks didn't do any of those things down the stretch. And I understand your point about like, okay, calling a timeout. Calling a timeout and saying what? But it's I'm, re- I'm serious. But if you and can, calling, but if you can and calling do that. what? He called a timeout in the in the uh, I think it was the I forget if it was the fourth quarter or third quarter. Um, and the first play out of the timeout was a really really nice action that got Randall running going downhill um, for uh, a layup, which I believe was the last layup he had in the game, or the last made shot he had at close range um, in the game. Like those, they know those sets they know those those plays it's about executing them but a lot of it is also a regrouping it's the same reason for why do the knicks take two timeouts in the first you know seven minutes of a third quarter they've done this repeatedly it's to get guys to regroup because they didn't even make substitutions after that exactly so you start to run out of timeouts i understand you do but they didn't (laughs) but in this case you have to if you see a team surging you have to figure out a way to calm it down in some way and leave yourself and leave yourself with no with no timeouts left in a game that's clearly going to come down to the end. But if Tibbs is taking the timeout regardless, then why are you doing it after the lead's gone? Whereas you could do it beforehand. That's my point. If he was already thinking, because I call a timeout to stop it. Why stop the bleeding again, this, when there's a lead? <laughs> why not do it when there's a lead versus when you're, there's a deficit? That's, that's my big thing here. So it's, it's about the placement of the timeouts where I feel okay. like he burns through them too early because the, the, the starters, which are flawed to begin with, are then affecting everything. Look, I, I'm saying this because I don't think that this loss is completely on tips by any stretch. I am, again, primarily blaming the players here. I'm just saying that there is some skin in the game here where I do think Tibbs fine. has some culpability. That's it. it That's but it's different fine. from where we were at last week where I was I much more in the like... What is Tibbs doing? And this is much more, what are the players doing and what's going on with Tibbs? It's a, it's a much more, it's like tertiary at this point. I'm happy to say that like, I don't necessarily see it, but I also am, I can't say that you're, you're wrong again, because like, I, I don't know. I, again, I just, I just don't know. I guess, again, I, I go back to the, the thing I always say, um, I I don't have, I don't see an obvious answer. So therefore, how can I put it on some, somebody else to come up with? I mean, but again, he's the head coach. He's the head coach. If you're the head coach of a team that blame that blows a 23 point lead, you are partially at fault. That's, there's no other way to say it, you know, Um, just like, as you said, everybody else is, but you know, to reference your early timeouts in the third quarter, again, that got them to a 23 point lead. Like he got them on the way to where they got, where they had, you have to win that game. I hear you. you know, and, 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 but, but I didn't but, have a problem with the third quarter. I just want to put that out there. I thought okay. that, it, I mean, everything was working. I'm not blaming tips for that. I, and if anything, I'm giving credit to the fact, or I want to give credit to the fact that the team opened up a huge lead in the third as yeah. a result of what we saw on the court, hundred percent. But in terms of like, you know, saying, I don't know how we could fix this again, a key star, a key change could just be figuring out a way to not have Kemba Walker continue to play. Like that to me, like the fact that he is excelling in one game and then we get to excuse the, the shit show that, so that it was since Christmas. No, that's that's it's fine. Like, like you know, Look, he's not going to, it's not, it's not like this one game is going to earn Kemba time. And the reason it's not going to earn him time is because he was, he's given carte blanche regardless. Because even if he should have bed in this game, he was still going to get ample opportunities in terms of playing. That's the key. And that's what I hate. I hate the fact that we are. We are still investing in players that we acknowledge will not okay. be here. And, and that's my a big, good transition. My biggest, my, but last thing, my biggest thing here yeah. is that I look at this, this team full of a lot of young players, and I don't see a lot of these young players being on this team a year, two years from now. I don't either. 
But then I think about it and it's like, wouldn't you want to increase the value of them both on the court and as assets by bringing them more into the fold? Like what is is, is that minutes. necessarily going to increase their value? Well, no, I think it will because like there's hidden talent. You could say, forget about that. But you could also say like, this is someone who's clearly trying and developing. Like if you told me that the second, I don't even want to say second half, but like after the all-star break, right? If it's like Rose, IQ, and Obi, and they each get uh, IQ and Obi at least 16 minutes, right? Okay. Obi probably would get less because of the presence of Randall. But let's say IQ plays at least 16 to 20 minutes, maybe even 22, whatever. We're, we're splitting hairs at a certain point. But if they get time and they're working with other players and they're like, hey, you know what? That guy is a winning player. Just because he's struggling, it doesn't mean that he can't be a winning player. And when you pair him with other good players, it elevates him. That's what I want. I want to see guys who are, who are their, their best attributes are accentuated and they become better talent as a result. And then if it comes to the point where the Knicks have too many young players to juggle and they want to parlay them into something that's great, we don't have to see the Knicks adding in sweeteners to be like, hey, you know, this guy's just okay. We want so that you, guy to be great or at least at least good enough to hold value on his own. So you just said, first of all, I, 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 I too, just to be clear, would like to see that. Second, that is an organizational decision. I agree. Uh, that, I'm not, I don't mean to say that's purely on Tibbs, but I think that there yeah. needs to be that conversation of, look, we kept these guys. It's yeah. just not working. Let's try to, you know, up the minutes of some and decrease them. And that, and that is a dicey organizational decision. I would just argue, because again, this is it. This is a front office that has to look at a team that did just, that just went into golden state and won a game. Should that mean a blessed thing? Maybe not. That is a conversation that they need to have and they need to have a conversation and they need to do it soon. It, as far as like what, and now there's other factors at play. Randall, you know, does he want to, is, does he want to play a certain amount of games? Cause to me, all of this other stuff that we're talking about putting guys in and out, like if Randall continues to play there and he plays like this, I think there's only so much that they could lose. Um, although with their schedule, maybe that's not even true. Um, you know what? In the end of the day, this is probably all going to take care of itself because they have such a hellacious schedule coming up. And then when things get easier or lighten up a little bit over the last 10 games, that's the part where you're probably going to see um, guys shut down for good. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Horizon aside, I just, I, and this is, I think, the thing that gets me about like the whole wanting to see the kids. I want to see the kids too. And I want to see the kids and I want to see them play well. And you just said something a minute ago was like that. I, I feel like you implied like more time equals the talent goes up. It's not. No, no, no. I'm not saying more time. Equals I feel like a lot of people feel that way. It's like they just might put Deuce McBride out there for 25 minutes. And all of a sudden he will become this wonderful asset and he will play well. That's not what I'm saying, though. I'm saying okay. if you pair these guys with a player like Derrick Rose, I would like to Who's see Derrick Rose Who's not there right back. now. He's not. That's And I acknowledge that's a problem. A hundred percent. And how do you fill? It's the same area of need that the Knicks have consistently needed. Yeah. <laughs> they failed to fill in terms of that lead ball handler, facilitating and driving and pulling up and scoring. And to me, all of it. I get it. I a hundred percent get it. It's more about how you mix and match accordingly. And, you know, I also was of the mindset where, like these things will figure themselves out. It'll work their way out as well. Yeah. And after the trade deadline, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if they will work themselves out. And I think that's a bit of a concern. But that's the frustration, right? Isn't that the frustration that we it expressed at the beginning of the show? It is. And, and here's the thing, because I've been putting a lot more thought into this whole you know, lack of a trade deadline and all of that. And it still does bug me a bit. At the end of the day, what I think happened is I feel like Brock Aller's fingerprints are all over this deadline. I think they basically said, we're content just playing this out. We're happy letting this team die, even if it means that we can view the long term. And we don't know what the long term is, so it makes us feel stressed out more because it's terrible in the short term and the team is dying and we're trying to get someone to save it and no one's saving it. And how do we how do we go about that? And the Knicks don't care about it and all of that. And when you're in the thick of it, it feels awful. And maybe mm-hmm. something happens in the long term and we're really thrilled about it. And I could absolutely see that happening. It's just... In the meantime of dealing with a patient and you feel like a, you know, an EMT or a doctor or something, and you just there's you feel like you can't save this person. And it's helpless. And every time you think that you're making progress, something else goes wrong. And like I, I'm 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 still frustrated the lack of moves, but I'm at peace at the same time. And I was uh, I was talking with uh, my good friend Conrad of Nick's Illustrated, who made a great point. And it, and it dawned on me as well, and I agree with it. It's not so much that there's a distrust of the front office for what happened. It's more that it's like, how is Tibbs going to manage all this? And it's yeah. it's an inability to feel confident and comfortable that Tibbs can navigate the Knicks through this shitstorm, <laughs> and we get out on the other side, and then it feels like the season was worthwhile, unless, of course, something good happens with the pick. But there's nothing... That's, I guess that's what I always go back to is there's nothing to navigate. It's as an organization, you decide, are we going to try to win every game or are you going to have a different priority of some kind? It's nothing to navigate. Right. And the Knicks haven't picked a lane. Well, no, they've kind of, pick, I, they have picked a lane. They've picked, we're going to try to win every game. Like they are still trying to win every game. I guess that's fair in the sense of like, they're going down the wrong route and it's like, well, there's a much easier path to get to where. Yeah, and, and it's, and it is up to the organization to say, and look, if the organization decides we're going to, we, we know we are no longer going to hold winning games as a priority. If winning games happens as a byproduct of this other thing that we are going to decide to do, so be it. But that is no longer the priority. If the organization decides that and Tom Thibodeau, which I don't know that we would even find out this or not, um, says no. That's not now. That's not how I run my basketball team. That's a massive problem, and that I'd be the first person to say everybody needs to be on the same page. So if they're not on the same page, someone has to go because you can't have a head coach in a front office that aren't on the same page. Now I might pose an argument that pivoting away from trying to win every game at the twenty-five game mark might be a little premature, and it might be wise to wait a little bit longer. Um, I don't say that with much conviction. 25? I, what are we at? 25 20, games? Oh, he means 25 games left. left. Sorry. Oh, that's yeah. I, my apologies. Um, 57 game mark. Yes, exactly. Sorry. 57 game mark. Yes. 25. Um, so let's put that aside for a second. But like, and I'll, I'll, we could maybe end this discussion on this before we move on to game balls and, and, and whatever else. Um, they are right now Right now, the Knicks have a, a 14% chance to end up in the top four of the lottery. 
and a 3% chance to end up with the number one pick. Although I don't really care about the number one pick top four is where it's at in this year, especially 14% chance. Um, they are three and a half games behind the team that is currently in sixth, the Sacramento Kings. That team is a 37. I know we talked a little bit about this last week, but I feel like it's worth going over again in light of the week that we just had. That team, the Kings in sixth, or whoever is going to be in sixth, has a 37.2% chance of ending up in the top four of the lottery. So not quite four times as high as the Knicks have. That would be the, the team that's in fifth would have four times. They're not catching the, the Pacers because the Pacers are, um, they trade away their best player. They are, there's uh, six games separating the Knicks and the Pacers. And again, the Pacers may not win six games for the rest of the year. So the, the Knicks are not ca- catching the Pacers. Kings trying to win. Um, San Antonio Spurs seem to find ways to win almost by accident. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, no, and, they, and, they have made clear cut moves to take a step back and yes. yet they're still progressing. Exactly. Um, and they have a, and they have a 25 year old all-star in Jermont, uh, 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 DeJounte Murray. Um, Portland trailblazers or excuse me, uh, New Orleans Pelicans desperately trying to win. They've already traded away their pick. <laughs> they, they, they want very, very much to win. And then there's the team that we just saw, uh, last night, the Portland trailblazers who, um, have a really, really, really talented player in Anthony Simons, who was the best player on the full last night. That's the other part of it that we should probably mention. Give credit to the Knicks, Blazers for coming back. 100%. Yeah, Knicks, Knicks missing RJ Barrett. Knicks missing Mitchell Robinson. I, I would argue if Mitch was healthy for that whole game, the Knicks win that game. I think he his loss affected things at both ends of the floor mm-hmm. in a significant way. Um, and like Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, good NBA player. Um, even Justice Winslow, give him credit. Like Ben McElmore, that's what he does. He knocks down threes. I know he hasn't hit him a lot this year, but like that's what that dude... Like, So anyway... Can, if the Knicks decide to, if the Knicks say have a meeting at the All Star break and we're like, we want to get into the sixth spot, I think they could get into the sixth spot. Is basically increasing your chances by two and a half, like giving yourself a two and a half times better chance than you have right now from 14% to 37%. Is that worth it as an organization to basically abandon any semblance of we're going to try to win games? I don't know. I do. And you, you, you would say yes. I would, I would lean yes at this point. The reason I would say yes is in that sense, almost about it's playing the numbers, not from like, let's jump up. It's more from let's limit how far we fall. And I think that that's the big thing where this is the last time I, I think I said this before, the last time I want to be in the lottery for God knows how long. If you're going to be in there, make it big. If you can have the opportunity to trade up and get a player like Ivy, for example, and he's, you know, it's three spots instead of six because six would be just unattainable. Do that. Like just just go in, get the guy that you feel like you can you can really help build around with this team and work your magic. And that's why it's like again, I, I'm it's not rooting for the Knicks to lose. For me, it's just like accepting it with open arms. And when it arrives, I embrace it. Well, it's but, rooting for them to sit veterans. Sure. And it's rooting for them, I think, to shut Julius Randle down sooner rather than later. And what is the argument with shutting Randle down when at the same time, even with everything that we're saying, the Knicks are still two games back? That's that why it's not an automatic. Right. And it's 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 one thing to say like, hey, we held on to everyone. We tried to make the play and we didn't get there, which is very frustrating, period. And then you think like, well, why didn't you sell off pieces? Why didn't you do X, Y, and Z? All of that. It, it it's just like there's no pieces to sell. Off. Well, that's the thing. Well, there are, but it's a matter of like, at what point is it worth the risk? You know, and like no. I still I still go back to, and this is much more of an, an off season conversation, but I just want to add it quickly. I talked about Miami unlocking their pick situation on our stream. Yeah. Yep. The report comes out. Another report about. Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz and how things are crumbling. And at a certain point, you see enough reports where this isn't just, you know, smoke. I think there's legitimate fire. And you start to think like, are these teams preparing for an arms race? And if they are, and you are the Knicks and you know that you want to go after this guy, how do you put yourself in the best position? Because if you're still thinking long-term and you're trying to take the long-term approach with this offseason, with this deadline, then you might as well lean into it. And if leaning into it means, hey, like 
We give up less if we get a higher pick because Miami's not well, going to have a high pick. That's that the is, thing. That is your entire reason for why you sit these guys down. But like I said, you're not going to sit Julius Randle when the Knicks still have a shot at the playoffs and he's eligible for that 65-plus game bonus too. Well, you can't do it. And they're not going to. And that, I think, is a blessing and a curse because, again, like you look at RJ, you look at Randle, you look at Mitch even, and you're just like, we can we can offload some of these guys. We can make a trade. We've got you know I don't mean to prop them up too much, but you got Yakubitis in, um, nice. in overseas. Like you have good? some young talent that's still on the roster. You can go the free agent route with with minimum players and uh, room exception if you go under the cap or or the mid level exception if you're over. Like there are enough things you can do to go from this team is a shit show to wow this team is actually like pretty solid. It's just, we, it's hard to get from here to there and visualize it perfectly. But a way you get there, a way that helps sell you on it and like segues you there is by dropping a bit, by taking, saying like, if you're going to do the long-term approach, this is the long-term approach. It's, it's playing the younger guys more. It's seeing what they've got. But if anything, it's trying to... It, like, the irony is this is prevention. This is the, the opposite. Like, this is the prevention from the organizational standpoint, right? On the yeah. court, it's prevention offense, I guess, or prevention defense, whatever. <laughs> So this, it's a similar thing here. How do we prevent how far we fall? And so I want that type of prevention, but on the court, I want the opposite. I want them to have this killer mindset and to be aggressive and to keep you know running it down their throats and stopping on them and killing them until they win. But they don't have that that killer instinct, especially with RJ out. Uh, well said. Uh, and they certainly didn't have it against the Blazers. All right. I think we... Um... We talked about this week in Knicks basketball quite enough. Uh, all right. So game ball uh, slash push and pee. Who has been pushing pee this week, given, um, you know, given a performance or analysis or something um, that is is worthy uh, of our praise? And uh, it, it, do I go first or do you go first? I always ask this because I never know. Andrew, do we have a rule? Is it the person who wins the game of the week? I, the- I'd like <laughs> to go first, actually. So I'll... I'll- Go. I'll split the baby here. Um, John, you can go first for push and pee. Jeremy, you can okay. go first for detention. I, I'm, I'm going to give it to Julius Randle. Um, I know he didn't have a perfect game against the Blazers. I know the Knicks only won one game this week, and you know he he is not without fault um, in in their losses. But this guy was said by me and many others that they never want to see him play basketball for this team again. And it didn't matter what he did. Well, now he's playing better. He's just stylistically. It makes more sense. Um, I, I can't get over how his teammates embraced him and him specifically after the Warriors game. as almost like a congratulations. Um, you know, you push through and we got this and, uh, you know, so I'm giving the game ball to him. I know it hasn't been an easy season. Um, and he has turned around his play. And while I still have very significant questions about his long-term future with this uh, franchise and would uh, hope genuinely that they are going to continue to keep the phone lines open uh, over the course of the summer. Um, And that will not, I promise you that opinion will not change no matter how good he plays over the rest of this year. Just keep, keep, keep listening. Just listen for any offers. Um, he deserves the game ball this week. So I'm happy to give it to him. So I'm going to highlight Mitchell Robinson because I thought his performance against Utah was phenomenal. Yeah. Even if it wasn't Gobert, he just, that he was playing against, he was tremendous. You could see in Denver with him not being there, how much he was needed. Uh, and then you could see with the meltdown that happened against the Blazers, how his presence would have affected that. And I, I want to shout him out, but I'm going to go in an opposite direction because I don't usually do this where I will pick the player that you picked, but I need to shout out Julius. I have to make him, I have to say he's, he gets the game ball and then he's pushing P. And the reason for that is because this entire season has felt like it lives and dies with Julius. And the worst part is that even when he's playing well, it still feels like the season is dying, but not because of him. It's because of the things around him. And we've given him a lot of grief and, so, and much of it has been admittedly deserved hundred percent. But I think that, it would be wrong of me not to recognize how good he has been this week, how deserving of it it is. And that's why I, I said, you know, like, I don't think this team is that far away from just being good. And it's when Julius plays like this, when you have Julius, when you have RJ, a lead ball handler, Mitch, again, like that is how you can, you can sell a good product. 
And without it, when, when Julius is playing poorly, it feels like an anchor that's dragging a ship down into the, the, you know, the depths of the sea. And when he's playing well, it's just calm waters and you actually feel excited about it. So I have to go with Julius as well, but highlight Mitch for his performance this past week. Um, I think that was good. Sorry, my my daughter just handed me a note, so I had to respond to the note. Um, that's what happens. You, when you, have kids. you saw what he did, by the way, Jeremy. When John, when this was bubbling into a novel, into another Tibbs fight, he went the full Steph Curry route and put his daughter on his lap. So, like I, the players do in post games when they don't want tough <laughs> questions. And I didn't then all of a sudden the tone wow. changed. Yeah. Wow. You saw that that's why it did. That's why it didn't happen. That's yeah. why. So how are you gonna? How are you gonna argue simple. with with this? No, he's yeah, like, an angel in front of you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So wait, Jeremy gets. I'm to a go family for man, Dan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna surprise you guys. So what? what who's your detention going through, Jeremy? Um. Oh. I kind of want to say everyone that's not named Julius Randall or um. Actually, Mitchell Robinson. I actually think there's but, one very correct answer. Well, I, here, here's where I'm at, right? Like, I mm-hmm. think you have to start towards the top. The front office. That's, that's the correct answer. Is the reason why we have been talking about all of this. And again, I have complete and utter faith in the long term of how this direction is going. But they're letting this team die a slow death. And it's then trickling down. Yeah, Tibbs is then having more to deal with. And then you're seeing veterans who are out there who maybe shouldn't be out there as long as they are. And there they are. And it's a problem because then you also see the young players suffering as a result of it. And I think that the front office did have an opportunity to clear things up and pick a better lane. And instead, it just feels like we're watching a miserable product for the next two months, as I said. And I just, it's frustrating. Again, I can live with it two months from now. And I I guarantee you that I can sell it. I can spin it and so can they, and you listening all like you can probably spin it as well. And I'm sure you could buy what's being sold, but until then it's just, it's a, it's a mess admittedly for Tibbs to juggle and the players then uh, it kind of reminded me of um, some of the comments that have been trickling out from players who were traded from the wizards. Like Trez said, he's the happiest yeah. he's been in a long time. Mm-hmm. I saw that. But the biggest one that caught my eye was actually Davis Bertans, who was saying something along the lines of like, there are a lot of guys who need to eat in that locker room. And it was really hard to get there because it felt competitive. I'm not saying that is exactly what's going on here. I don't well, have a, I don't have a pulse on that. Fournier said, has said the opposite a few 100%. times. And, and that's why I don't. And if there's anyone things. who you figure would have said like, uh, you know, been down about it, but he was like, I really don't want them to trade, break this apart. And then after right. the deadline, he's like, I'm, I think guys have a free mind. But that's why I'm not saying the Knicks and the Wizards locker rooms are the same. I think they are very different. I think the Knicks have been able to create an opportunity where even with everything going on, it seems like the locker room has not been lost. We don't know, but it certainly seems that way. It's just that you see a lot of guys who, who could lay claim to that they deserve to eat. And then you have players who are starving, who are younger, who are trying to develop and they're not. And it all kind of, you can trace it back to, well, why are the Knicks in this position? It's because the front office has chosen the long term over the short term. So I'm going to give them, uh, I'm going to put them in a detention for this week. Yeah. Um, that's fair. Uh, I'm going to give it to Tibbs. And I'm going to give it to Tibbs because, and I, I thought about this. Uh, somebody asked me on the post game after the Blazers game, what has Tibbs done well? And my response was basically like, I think he's putting the players he has in as good a position as he can to be successful. Um, given, again, I think the limited skill sets and uh, he has to work with and the fact that there is not a single player on this team who is a quote unquote perfect player. I think the closest is probably, I mean, pick, I guess, I don't know, I guess Mitch, Mitch is probably the closest to being like a, an ideal fit for his position. But like all of these guys have such like between Kemba's defense, Fournier's inconsistency, Randall's, you know, the ball control slash inconsistency slash shot selection. So that, like everybody you point to everybody, RJ around the rim. Um, you know, it's like every Alec Burks hit uh, missed another two, uh, literally one foot shots. They were from one, f- not even feet, one foot away. He missed two consecutive. Um, so again, he's working with what he's got, and I think he's doing the best he can. At the same time, the reason why I ride so hard for this man is because 
um, one, I'm fearful of what the what the other what's on the other side of, or, or that the grass is not greener. But it's because he got them to play so hard and they had so much mental toughness last season, so much mental toughness last season in every way, shape or form. Uh, and this season there has been, and Tib said it himself after the game, there has been an astounding lack. He said toughness. I'll, I'll say mental toughness. And the way we are kind of told, you know, like the, the, the good and the bad of Tibbs is like, and he said, again, he says this himself. He's like, you prepare yourself during the preseason or during training camp to get ready for the regular season. And then it, it's a transition into postseason. And then it's, you know, and you go from there. He, this team is not mentally tough. So that is on the coach and the coaching staff to develop. And we saw that they were mentally tough last year. They're not mentally tough now. Is that partially on the front office? Of course, because you change around pieces and like, what do you get? You get a different product. Um, but that has to be a little bit on the coach. And well, I personally still don't feel comfortable being able to look at any particular game and be like, this decision he made is the reason why they lost like, the overall whole. He has to own it. He has to own it. I Look think you blaming Tibbs and me. I know. Blaming, right? the front office. blaming the front office. I think though, this is to go back to the way this podcast started. This is the microcosm of the fans frustration this year is that the front office sold us a bill of goods before the season that we're going to be better. We're going to take a step forward. We invested in this team long-term, even though it's like two plus one and like we're investing in Tibbs. This is a win now team. And as this season has gone on, and I think, look, as a Mets fan, I've seen a lot of losing seasons. I mean, we all watch the 2018-19 season. When it's kids losing, you're more accepting of a blown 22-point lead or a blown loss because it was like, you know what? They're learning. At least we're watching something that could be. I feel like this season, we've got the conclusion of what is with a lot of these veterans. And it's why it's partially, partially, which is why... John putting tips in the tension. I feel like I can do this partially on the coach and also partially on the front office. And that is why the direction of fans frustrations have ended up at everybody equally Tibbs, the players, the front office. We have no clear direction where this is going. And yep. yeah, this is uh, as John mentioned at the top, fuck this shit. Uh, and on that note, uh, so predictions, we have uh, three minutes left to do these predictions do because it. I have um, several uh, young people coming into my apartment uh, to decorate cupcakes. That is the Super Bowl activity that we Wait, have. wait, wait. Can we come? Yes. Uh, sure. I, I'll um, give a Super Bowl party for that. Jeremy somehow has stumbled his way into a four-week four winning streak. He is, in ten and, he is a 10 and 6. I am at 6 and 10. That Warriors um, win, man. That Warriors wins. Prevented John yep. from winning this. Week. Well, to be fair, uh, I think if the Knicks had lost the game against the Warriors, they probably would have won the Blazers game. Maybe you never know. Well, yeah, no, it doesn't um, matter. I won. So after so, they lose the Warriors game, and then yeah. like the Blazers game happens exactly as is, where John's like, "Well," where you're like, "Oh, I would have won," and then John ends up winning because they blew a 23 point yeah. lead. So um, we are taking next week off, uh, right? Andrew, we are recording Thursday night because oh, it's that's after right. yes. the game with Jeremy. And then yes. we're taking a week off. You will hear two bonus Patreon episodes here yes. on the regular feed that have already been recorded as your episodes for next week. But we're, we're taking the all star break off. Yes. Yeah. But we're doing predictions for the next two weeks is what yes. I'm saying. OK, so um, the games all at home. Thunder Nets. All star break. Right. Yes. And, the- and then Heat Sixers. Jeremy, to you. I'm torn. I want to say two and two, but I don't really have a reason to believe it, even though the Nets have been a mess and the Thunder have been a mess. Um, maybe part of me is honestly hoping for one and three. So I'm going to go one and three. Um, Do it, John. No, I'm Do not. Do it, done. John. <laughs> no, I can't. I, I'm because this team. That would be too easy if they went over. If they went zero and four. Oh, I'm saying to, go two and two. Yeah. Yeah, I have to go two and two. Easy enough. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Andrew, anything in uh, before we get out? 20 seconds. Pick the Super Bowl tonight since this is going up in a matter of oh. minutes. 
Uh, who's playing? Uh, the uh, Jeremy pick. picked the Super Bowl today. <laughs> the Bengals. The Bengals. I want the Bengals. The Bengals. The Bengals. Okay. I okay. want the Bengals to win. So I'm going to go Rams 24-20. Okay. John, you got a score? Sure. Bengals uh, 31-27. Okay. High scoring game. I dig it. I'm also picking the Rams. Oh, I guess I'm the only one picking the Rams. Um, I just picked the Rams. Uh, I misheard you. I thought you were both rooting. Oh, so you're rooting for the Bengals and you're picking the Rams. It's me. I'm going to jinx it. So I'm going with the Rams. Oh, well, yeah. if we learned anything from last night, I'm the one that does jinxes around that, here. That's also true. You're yeah. actually a detention. But Quite, yeah. yeah, I'll take it. Um, My pick on final review was 23-20. The Rams win because I think the Rams win, but they the Bengals cover because it's minus it's four is the line right now. So I'll pick the Rams win, but Bengals cover. And if you've been listening all week, guys, to my underdog fantasy promo, um, I'm also rooting for my own picks. Uh, use promo code Film School and go to Underdog Fantasy, and you can get a, a, a up to a hundred bucks in free play for tonight's game. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, and I think that's it for me. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much. Andrew Claudio, thank you so much, and most of all, uh, our listeners who continue to listen to us talk about this god-awful basketball team that just hates us um we love you and thank you for listening and we will be back with you with another episode very soon 